When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Rachel Hampton. I'm an editorial assistant here at Slate, and I'm your host for the season of Working. For the next few episodes, we're going to be focusing on influencers, taking a deep dive into an industry that's changed from one that was really only understood by teens to one that's now covered by journalists at the New York Times and the Atlantic. This week, we're talking to Hamali Mystery, a Toronto-based beauty influencer. She started her Instagram in 2016. Her handle is ready to glow. And there she posts makeup tutorials, but also glimpses into her life as an Indian beauty influencer. When she started, there weren't a whole lot of people that looked like her, but she's seen the space really change over the past few years. Kamali talked about all the behind the scenes work it takes to keep things fresh, to keep her feed updated, but also she talked about the real life emotional and mental struggles that people don't often talk about on a platform that really kind of prizes a perfect life. What's your name and what do you do? So my name is Hamali Mystery, aka Ready to Glow. That's my online name. And I am a beauty influencer. As I said before we started recording, as soon as I started doing this podcast on influencers, I really wanted to get a beauty person on. So I'm really curious as to how your journey as a beauty blogger started. Like, when did you kind of see this as like a viable route? So it was very... I think random. It was never my intention to become a beauty blogger in any way, shape, or form. I had actually started off as a freelance makeup artist, and that was my job for, I think, about two years before I started Ready to Glow. I was working under another girl while I was um, in university. So I basically kind of just worked under her, helped her do her clients and all that good stuff. And then when I graduated university, I was kind of like, well, why am I letting someone take a cut out of my pay when I can Mm -hmm. be now handling everything myself? So uh, along came Ready to Glow. I launched Ready to Glow back in like 2016. And I wasn't allowed to use any of her client pictures because technically they were her clients. So I had to kind of start from scratch. And my fiance and my sister, they were just both like, well, why don't you make some tutorials? Maybe that'll kind of help gauge an audience or something like that. And I was like, yeah, you know, that might work. So I started making a few little tutorials. I was hoping that people fell in love with my personality and understood basically like that I was good at makeup and that I had a great personality so they would want to work with me. So that kind of happened. And one thing led to another. One of my videos a couple months later went viral. And I was like, wow, there's an there's an audience for this. Um, I gained about... 15,000 followers in the span of like a week, week and a half or something like that. Yeah, it it happened really, really fast. And I was like, what, what is happening right now? (laughs) So um, that happened. And then I started to see that there was such a huge gap of beauty influencers that were brown. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't really see any that were doing makeup for people that were in and around my skin tone. So I was like, this 
sounds like a great opportunity. Like I need to take advantage of this. And as soon as I saw it, I just started pushing out content like crazy. And it really just took off from there. And yeah, I guess one thing led to another. And I was like, I don't really want to be doing makeup on other people anymore. Like this is kind of where I want to take my career. So it a little bit happened by chance. A lot of it happened by hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and, and it, it's one of those things where you're just like, you never know where life is going to take you. That's a, also a reason I wanted to have you on is that in the past few years, it feels like a lot of upcoming beauty bloggers are women of color, people who wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. have been in the beauty space beforehand. And so I'm curious, I feel like a huge shift in the makeup industry happened when Rihanna launched Fenty and mm-hmm. Fifty Shades kind of became like a normal range to have within the foundation shade range. But before that, you started in 2016. What was it like trying to find products for your skin tone and trying to show those products to the people who are following you? I'm pretty lucky. Like I'm in like a medium brown skin tone. So I didn't have too much issue finding products in that time range. Like when I was younger, I would say in my teens, it was much harder. But up until like a few years ago, it was it was pretty good for me. And then but I did notice that it was way harder for people that had way more melanin in their skin, like that had richer skin. They didn't really have options until this whole Fenty thing kind of happened. There was a few companies that did it, but now it's just become the standard. I think Fenty like just completely changed the game with that. Uh, And yeah, you do definitely see a lot more beauty bloggers um, with color. You see them a lot more in campaigns now too, which I find amazing. And you see just a lot more representation in general. So it's it's definitely changed over the years. Uh, I, yeah, I guess I was just kind of the lucky one and I, I was always somewhat included. Mm, yeah, I feel that. I'm kind of a lighter skinned black woman as well. So I didn't right? have as many issues as like a lot of people. Yeah. I'm really curious about when you started this, you said there weren't a lot of people kind of making videos for people who look like you. Was there anybody that you could kind of look up to or did you kind of feel like you were forging your own path? There were people that were, I guess, like brown. Uh, I didn't see too many that were like South Asian, though. So like you had a lot of Middle Eastern girls and I think Middle Eastern girls are really well known for like their makeup and things like that. Like you had people like Huda Beauty, um, Dress Your Face, uh, Bama Zaid, and there was a lot of big girls like that, but they were all Middle Eastern. And our skin issues are very different. Like they're very fair skinned, um, whereas South Indian girls can be or South Asian people in general can be more of like a medium to darker skin tone. You did have people like Deepika, Koshal, Fardukai. Like there's there was a few people, but there wasn't a huge amount I noticed when I first started. Uh, so it was it was nice to be able to be that kind of representation. And I think that's also a reason my page picked up pretty fast is because you didn't really see people doing that. And I noticed that once I started doing this, a lot more South Asian women were coming out and doing the same thing, especially in Toronto. Like I I didn't really know any. I knew one other girl that was in and around my skin tone that was South Asian that was doing this. Not even just in and around my skin tone, just like South Asian in general that was doing this. And she was doing well, um, but it was really just us two. And then All of a sudden, after I started kind of blowing up, I started noticing pretty much 
all the other brown girls that were uh, in the wedding industry that were doing clients that were freelancing, doing the same thing as me. And it, it made me really happy because I started seeing a lot of them become very successful at it. A lot of them being in, in their own campaigns and, you know, getting work the way I was getting work. And it, it just made me feel really good. That's really dope. What's the community yeah. kind of like? In Toronto, I think it's it's pretty inclusive. Like it's it's really nice. It's not as big as if you were to go out to somewhere like LA, obviously. So the community here is definitely growing. I also think that Toronto itself is really been put on the map in the last few years, especially with like Drake and like <laughs> Lily Singh and like, you know, you know what I mean? Like all those <laughs> yeah, people, yeah. the weekend, like they're all on the come up. They all talk or not even on the come up. They are like up there um, and they all shout out Toronto. So I think people are really starting to realize that Toronto is a place that has a lot of talent and that goes same with the beauty community. Like I've started noticing so many more brands coming here, doing launch parties, events, like including us in things like running campaigns here, things like that. Uh, so I've, I've noticed that it's really picked up in the last like couple of years for sure. Like this year, it, I think I would say last year, it kind of just exploded here um, and it's really just getting bigger and bigger every year here. That's really exciting because it feels yeah. like previously you might have had to move to like L.A. or New York to be able to kind of go to the, a lot of the beauty events. A hundred percent. It was it was so different back then. And there was only so many events you would go to. And when you did go to the events, it was always the same people like you would meet the same people over and over again. And now when you go to events, it's like so many new faces, so many people that are in this space now and um, so many different like I feel like before I would be like, OK, maybe one event every two weeks or so or three weeks or so. And now there's like an event like two to three events like every week going on that you get invited wow. to. And it's it's awesome to see the community grow. Definitely. So I guess going back to the events, what's your kind of day-to-day life look like in terms of being a beauty blogger? Oh, man, it changes so much day-to-day. It really does. I try to kind of keep to a schedule, but it can be so random. Like Mondays, I like to record. So I'll wake up. Usually in the morning, I wake up, I do my little morning routine of like journaling and meditation and all that good stuff. And then I get into on Mondays, I'll get into doing some unboxing. So like if I have any PR packages, I'll go through that. Um, My little sister's my assistant as well. So she like helps me unbox everything and get all that prepared. Or while she's doing that, I'll be recording. So I'll try to record like two to three to four videos in a day. Wow. And then, yeah, I mean, I get as many. I mean, one day I hit five videos and I was super proud of myself. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So it was, it's, it's a lot of like, I guess, prep work. Like I'll, I'll also sit there, like before I record a video, I'll sit there and I'll write out exactly what I'm doing. So it's an easy process for me to be like, okay, well, this is what I need to do now. So when I recorded five videos, it was pretty much just me changing the looks up in the video and being like, okay, well, I'm going to bounce from like video one to video two in the middle of the recording kind of thing, right? So it was a lot of planning out of how I wanted everything to go so I could record that much in one day. Uh, and so, yeah, like that, that would be like kind of my Mondays. Um, I also kind of take that time to answer emails and schedule myself for the week to figure out what I'm doing. And then there's some days where you have events 
So you'll go network with companies that are throwing launch parties for new products that they have, or say if they're launching in Toronto for the first time or opening up a store or whatever it is. So I'll go to those mostly to network with the companies. That's kind of how I get to know the PR people and all that good stuff. And then there's other days where I have like, if I have my downtime and those downtimes where I'm like just home and I don't really have to be out and about anywhere, I'll be editing. So usually it takes me about my, my videos are a little bit different. Like I spend a lot of time like editing to the music and doing cool transitions and things like that. So it's not really like cut and clipped, like a lot of uh, makeup videos that you do see, which obviously nothing wrong with those videos. They're just as good too. It's just that my editing style is a little different. So it takes me about maybe four-ish, four to five hours, depending on how extravagant this video is. Um, yeah, four to five hours to edit a one-minute video. Oh it my takes God. Quite, quite a bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then YouTube uh, videos will take me like maybe like three hours just because I'm not as used to YouTube as I am with Instagram. So I'm sure that will cut down. But yeah, so I'll just be editing on those down days. Usually, I would say at least two days out of the week, I'm editing. I'll spend the day editing. And then throughout the week, I'm just like vlogging. So I try to make content out of anything I can possibly make content out of. I would, uh, so I started weekly vlogging. Uh, so I'll just take people through my day with me to like family events, social events, whatever it is. And then there's also just days where I'm like running random errands because you're <laughs> your own business. So you don't really have anyone else doing it for me. So it's like, there's days where I have to go to the bank or like there's days where I'm collaborating with people. So I'm meeting up with them, driving to them, having meetings, um, yeah, and doing all that good stuff, taking my phone calls. I try to do all my phone calls like while I'm driving so I'm not wasting any time. Uh, and yeah, that's kind of that's kind of what happens in the week. I'm really curious about the decision making process about some of the kind of creative choices you making. So you said that you started vlogging and then you were talking about your editing style and how you set it to music. How did you make those decisions to kind of like start vlogging? And then how did you kind of make the decision to edit your videos in a particular style that takes a lot more work? Uh, I think I've always kind of been more of a creative. Uh, and when I first started doing these videos, I just thought it was really fun to do cool transitions. So I would do things um, in camera and, and I knew it spoke to my audience well. So like, for example, like I would duck down from the camera um, and then come back up with like a face of makeup on or like my eyelashes on or something. And I knew that responded really well with the audience. And I knew it responded really well, especially because I started noticing other makeup artists copying that style. And it's kind of one of those mm. things where it's like, you know, if people are copying you, you know, you're doing something right. <laughs> so, um, and, and I've never taken it to like, oh my God, I can't believe they're copying me. I actually took it as like a, like that they admire my work. So like clearly I'm doing something right. And to me, it was like, I started seeing a lot of people copying my work and really the only thing, like everyone's like, doesn't that bother you? And I was like, no, because I'm doing, like clearly doing something right. And the mm. only thing I can do from now is elevate, right? Like I have to be the person that starts the next trend and takes it to the next level. Like you can't just dwell on what other people are doing. Like, it, it's a world of copying. This is 
the age we live in. It's the internet. You can't really like not have people copy you at this point, right? So that's kind of where my editing style started getting more intense. So I knew I needed to kind of level up and I found a mentor and I sat there, uh, I asked him to kind of teach me how to change things up. And so a lot of my editing style came from him. Uh, he had been in the industry. He ha- he's been editing videos for like eight, eight years now or so. Um, he's just kind of been in the photography videography industry for a while now. And I was like, dude, you need to teach me how to use premiere pro. Like I have no (laughs) idea. I'm like, I don't have time to YouTube these tutorials. I don't have time to figure it out. I'm like, you just got to teach me. Right. So last year, December, every Monday, I, so for, I guess like for four weeks, every Monday I sat with him for about six to nine hours and just watched him edit. Oh my and, God. Um, I picked up basically his editing style. A lot of it, he explained to me, he was like, you know, uh, video isn't just about the visuals. A lot of it comes from sound. You have to be careful about what music you like choose or how your clips go with the music and like where you cut them to the music and like adding sound effects in areas you can add sound effects and making sure the colors are right and all that good stuff. So there was a lot I learned from him and picked up from him in those, I guess, four days of him like intensely training me. Uh, and then it just kind of went from there and I and I picked up and I created my own style kind of thing. Wow. That's a crash yeah. course in video editing. That sounds yeah, it was, very it was intense. A lot. It was a lot. <laughs> it was very, very intense. Um, but I'm I'm the type of person I learn I learn fast from when I see people doing stuff and I can ask questions back. But when it's like coming to like reading things or tutorials or anything like that, like I, my brain just does not function. So I was, I was blessed in the sense that I found someone that could teach me that way. Yeah. How did you find him? Like what made you decide to reach out to somebody? I actually didn't reach out to him. He, him and his friend do YouTube videos as well. And they were like a, like a skit account. Um, they, they do like little YouTube skits and stuff. And they reached out to me because they were doing a skit on struggles of dating a makeup artist. <laughs> and I was like, okay, yeah, like I, I've always kind of wanted to get into acting. I think I have that personality for it. I'm very bubbly and like out there. So I was like, yeah, why not? Let's give this a try. I've never done anything like this before. I've never acted or anything. So I was like, why not just give it a shot. And um, when I met them for the first time, we just like started talking and I realized how talented this guy was. And I was like, can you help me? And he was just very generous. And yeah, I just, I think the the universe kind of brought us together. I kind of put out there that I was like, I need someone to help me. And the <laughs> universe is like, well, here, here you go. Like these guys need your help and they're going to help you right back. So that's kind of how I found him. That's amazing. Um, yeah. No one has really brought up kind of the mentorship aspect within influencing. And I'm kind of surprised because it does seem like people really learn from their peers. Oh, yeah, 100%. I think it's it, I, I think your influencing side will always just be you and like what you're doing. But there's I think a lot of things that af- affect the way you influence people, right? Like I think for example, my fiance affects a lot of the conversations I also have on my page. Like I do talk about my anxiety. I talk about my depression. I talk about a bunch of things that I've been through, breakthroughs that I've had. Like I don't keep my page just about makeup. And I think a lot of that came from talking to my fiance and like him helping me dive deep into like 
my soul and what's been going on in my life and helping me unlearn things about myself. So I take that to my page, like I'm meeting this guy who's a videographer who taught me how to edit. Like I take that to my page, a uh, meeting this woman who actually does my eyebrows, but has like <laughs> that, like owns her own business and started doing like workshops and things like that. She does that on the side. She's like, taught me that aspect of my business and she's like mentored me in that way and told me how I should be networking and talking to people and helping me with my mental health because she's been through a lot of things too. So there, there's a lot of people that mentor you more than you know, I think, in your day-to-day life. And and they turn out to be like good friends and family and fiance or whatever it is um and you don't always think of them as your mentor but they are because they really do shape you into who you are yeah definitely what's the best way to learn a language immersion living where the language is spoken and using it every day in everyday situations but if that's not on the cards this year you can still learn a language the second best way and that's with Babbel. I've used apps in the past to learn new languages, but when I came across Babbel, I wondered if it could help me refresh my knowledge of a language I once spoke well, but was now a little bit or quite a lot rusty. I have to say, I was impressed. The advanced lessons were really useful, tips and idioms that can help with in-depth conversations on topics that I can actually imagine chatting about. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel is designed by real people for real conversations, and the tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. What's more, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for working listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for working listeners, at babbel.com working. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com working, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash working. Rules and restrictions may apply. So you mentioned, and I saw on your page that you talked about having anxiety and depression. And I also saw your most recent video where you're talking about telling your parents that you were going to move in with your fiancé before you got married. How do you, I mean, these are all very kind of like intimate details. And Mm -hmm. obviously, like social media is kind of about peering into someone's life, but there's a lot of vulnerability there. What's the decision-making process behind like what to show, like what to put in a video, like what you're comfortable with sharing and what's the response been like to that vulnerability? So it's really scary. It's one thing to kind of put yourself out there and be vulnerable in the sense like, okay, I'm going to put out a makeup video and people are going to judge me based on my talents and whatever. It's another thing to put yourself out there and give really intimate details about yourself and be vulnerable in that sense. Because when I put out a makeup video, it's like, I could care less what you think about my makeup skills like or I could care less if you think I'm annoying or ugly or whatever you think about me because it's just kind of my work and I know that's going to be very um, like people aren't aren't always going to like it. Right. Uh, It's another thing when you're going through something very, very tough in your life that's very heartbreaking and frustrating and confusing and just really difficult to get get through 
and then sharing it with the world and then having them judge you on it. Uh, I've been very lucky in the sense that I've gotten a very positive response from my followers and I'm absolutely like blessed to have followers like that. I get very little hate when I post things like that. But then again, it's only very recently that I started posting about things like this. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, but it's been, it's been a pretty good response. I made the decision to do all this stuff because I feel like I felt really lonely in the process of when I was, I mean, I still kind of am going through my anxiety and depression, but I felt very, very lonely in the process. And I would get questions all the time of like, how are you so positive? How did you convince your parents that you could move out like with your fiance? Like you're Indian. I've never seen that happen. Like, what did you say to them? And like, I would just get all these questions on a regular basis. And it like dawned on me that people think that my life is going like perfect. And I'm (laughs) like, this is like, that is so far from true, like so far from true. Like the amount of tears that I have shed is unreal and like the battle with my parents was not easy at all by no means like my parents are pretty traditional even with my career like let alone moving out like I I had to struggle with my parents like hating on my career for like two years like I would always have to listen to them being like get a real job like you're not gonna make it like this isn't really gonna happen I don't think this is a good idea and like and it was a lot. And I think I think a lot of people, especially South Asian people, go through that. There's a lot of pressure on us to be a certain way and act a certain way and do certain things. And if you don't accomplish them, and, and I think like it is within society, of course, but I think when you come from immigrant parents, it's a different level because they have sacrificed so much for you to be here and to have all these things that they're like, well, don't mess this up, Mm, right? And you're just like, oh my God, if I mess up, like that's it, I'm done, right? And there's no room to mess up. So that's another level of pressure. And so I was like, there's no way I can be the only one feeling like this. And all these people think my life is like going great and it's not. And I need to let people know that it's like life isn't like that. Like life isn't always fair. There's a lot of things that you're going to have to go through. And I was hoping when I give that message out that people would be able to relate and not feel so alone like I did um, because I didn't really know who to turn to. Like I didn't, I didn't have anyone in my life that was, that had moved out with their fiance before they got married. I don't know anyone that's Mm. brown that's done that before, like at all. I didn't know anyone in my circle that was even an entrepreneur. Like I've never grown up around friends or family that have their own business. Like I've never met anyone like that. So everything I did, I had to do by myself. Like I had to find all these mentors by myself. I had to figure out how to run a business by myself. I had to figure out how to talk to my parents about moving out by myself. Like I had to do all this by myself. And it was such a lonely, lonely journey. And I feel like I lost a lot of people along the way too. And it was just really sad. And I was like, I don't want other people to feel like this because I'm sure they're going through the same thing. I'm sure there's other people out there that want to start a business that don't know how to, that don't know who to turn to, that their parents aren't supporting them. And I want them to know that it's okay. Like you're going to go, you're going to get through it. So yeah, that was kind of the decision-making behind it because I feel like if I can do it, then why can't you? And I want to kind of break those generational 
I guess, rules that they have and traditions that they have that really don't make sense in this world anymore in like 2019. I think this is a side of the influencer industry that so many people don't understand when they're talking about influencers who think like they think they're kind of just getting paid to do nothing. But there are so many, I guess, like narratives and stories that so many people haven't seen before or they haven't seen themselves Mm -hmm. represented in traditional media and social media has like really opened that up and you Mm -hmm. like it's amazing like what you've done oh thank you I really appreciate that no I I 100% agree with that and I think a lot of people misinterpret what like some of us do like some of some of it is like people think that we live these great lives and it's like you're not really gonna be like no one's really trying to take a picture of themselves crying. You know what I mean? Like you don't <laughs> yeah. like you don't you're not like sitting there being like, okay, well, this is a great time to take a picture. Like obviously you're only gonna be posting the good stuff because that's the time you're wanting to take a picture, you're wanting to capture it. You're not really trying to capture all the fights that you have with your parents and post that on the internet. Like that's not really that's such a personal thing to go through. And I think people also don't realize that like what we put out there too not only affects us. But we also have to think of the consequences of how it affects our friends and family that we surround ourselves with, right? So it's not always easy to talk about the tough things because I'm like, I don't really want to expose the fight that me and my parents went through and then have the world have this wrong idea about my parents. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I like I don't want them to think they're bad people because they're not. They they just ha- they've been through stuff just like I've been through stuff, and it's hard to sometimes see the perspective. And the problem with social media is is that you really only see small snippets, so you can just make up the rest of the story, and it's so misunderstood. And that's where everyone kind of gets it wrong. It's like you you really don't know the full story. You've seen a minute video. How can you judge? what happened after that minute? Like, how do you know? So that's where it all gets kind of jumbled. And that's where people start living in this warped reality of like, oh, well, she must be doing everything perfect, but they don't ever see the the after the camera shuts off, like everything's a disaster in my world as well. Is that part of the reason why you decided to start vlogging? Yeah, I think so. I mean, like in some of my vlogs, you can kind of see like, I, I, I remember there was one vlog where I was, vlogging on Friday and then I kind of just stopped and then I start on Saturday morning again and you see my face and my eyes are like balloons they are like Mm -hmm. so puffy and I am just like so like talking so timidly and um I just had like I think I had a really bad panic attack Mm -hmm. the the night before and like you can see it and I'm like I hope people see this and realize like Okay, not all my Friday nights are like partying and at events and like, you know, eating good food and all that good stuff. Like it's it's like there's so much more to it. And yeah, yeah, I think that's a part of the reason I, I started vlogging. I think also a part of the reason is I think people think this job is very easy. And I'm not going to lie. It's like literally the coolest job in the world. I don't even, I don't know. I don't know how this became my job. It is 100% a blessing. It is literally the coolest job in the world. I get to be paid to do what I love and there's just so many benefits to it, but it's not an easy task to, there's a lot of pressure that comes with it. Uh, It's like, you got to be creative all the time. And it's like, if you think about it, a movie gets released after like two or three years of them working on it. Like it takes them a really long time to get 
get that stuff out, right? For us, it's like, they expect you to push out content every single day, mm, but it yeah. has to be something new, you know? So it's <laughs> like, how, like, like, how do you keep up with that, right? Like, there's only, I, and I try to explain to people, I'm like, I would love for you to think of a new creative idea every single day of your life and execute it every single day. It's hard. It's it's a hard thing to do. And then people are like, well, why aren't you posting? Why aren't you doing this? Where are you? What are you doing? And it's like, okay, well, maybe this kind of explains it a little bit better. Like maybe this explains like what else goes on in my life and how many moving parts there are to it because my life isn't just social media. There's so much more that goes on behind the scenes. Being an influencer is a lot like basically owning a small business and that you are yes. just starting from scratch and trying to build this thing around yourself. But, I mean, we reached out to you through your talent agency. At what point did you decide to kind of go the route of, like, finding a talent agent? So things started kind of picking up for me, and I just couldn't really keep up anymore. Like, I couldn't keep up with all the emails and then also creating content and then keeping up with, like, my social life. And it was just so much more easier for me to just sign with someone and and there's a lot of like legal implications to working with companies as well right like this is a marketing campaign it's it's just just like if you were to run an ad on a tv or a magazine or whatever there's standards to it and so there it comes with contracts and i'm not any type of lawyer at all. And so sometimes you read through these contracts and you're like, I have no idea what this says or what this means or anything like that. So they're really helpful in that sense. Like they take care of all of that. Um, and they take care of like my emails and they take care of like my outreach and in and all that good stuff. They just make the process so much easier for me. And so I was like, I, if I can outsource that, it gives me more time to focus on the thing that I'm good at, which is creating content. And so, and I, and I think you start to learn too, as you develop a business that you can't do everything yourself. Like if you start to do everything yourself, then there's parts that aren't really going to get a hundred percent of you. So you have to make the sacrifice of now at the beginning, it's all about your time. Like you don't really have the money to invest in stuff because you're not really making money. So you have to put in a lot of time. But then once you start making money, you don't really have the time anymore. So you got to take that money and put it into people that do have the time. Um, and that's kind of how you grow your business. Definitely. It makes a lot of sense. So getting down to the kind of nitty gritty of making like a makeup tutorial video, do you test the makeup looks before you put them out? Like how does the entire kind of like makeup tutorial video work? I don't really test the looks just because I've been a makeup artist for like six I want to say six years now. Yeah, five to six years now. So you kind of know how to do your makeup. Um, it's not really that. It's more so the planning behind of how the video is going to go down. So like having my products lined up, knowing what my transition is, like where things are in, like when I, when I do a transition, for example, I'll snap my finger and then my lashes will appear on, right? But I need to remember exactly where I snap my finger because if I snap it in slightly off location, then wow. it doesn't flow in the video, right? Yeah. Like it doesn't look clean. So there's a lot that goes into it with that. Like I'll measure out exactly like where my hand is. Like I'll be like, okay, well, my finger was close to my nose. My like elbow was like right next to my chest and I'll just like repeat 
the actions over and over again in slight like different locations. So I know, okay, now I have two clips. Like I'll probably repeat, like if I'm doing a transition, I'll probably repeat it maybe like 10 times. Wow. To get the right shot. So it's a lot of that. Um, And then planning out, like I remember I did this when lipstick swatch video so I was like um and I and I based all the transitions and actions off of the lipstick color so it was a Huda Beauty lipstick swatch video and um they had like cool names like it was like graduation day and payday and uh all those like cool things so I was like okay well how can I use these names and make a story out of it so I went from like graduation day to like finding a job. I think one was called interview. So to graduation day to like interview to like getting the job and having like a payday, which was like the next lipstick color. And then I realized, oh my God, I'm late for a date. And so like the the next lipstick colors was third date. So like (laughs) it was, it was, it was figuring out like how to move from one, one scene to another and create a story out of it. So that's a lot of that goes into it too, at least for me, like I know, not everyone's videos are kind of like that. I just like to kind of put more of my creative side into it and make more of a story out of it. So yeah, it's it's more so not planning out the actual look because I'm good at makeup. That's something that comes naturally to me. It's more so planning out how the video is going to go. How far in advance do you have videos planned for? Oh man, like sometimes it's well in advance and sometimes it's like like the day of like I figure it out the day <laughs> mm-hmm. of like it, it it really depends on I guess like what I'm going through at the time <laughs> um and like like how many other things I have kind of going on because like I said it's it's not just my work that I'm doing all the time like there's so much else going on in my personal life so sometimes yeah all you have is the day of to plan out a video and usually sometimes like I'll sit down with my sister or like sometimes I have my friend film for me and he'll edit for me or whatever. Uh, but we'll sit down and it usually takes out maybe like an hour to plan out a video, like, mm-hmm. and figure out exactly what we're doing and how this works. And does this, like, does this transition make sense? Like, does this flow? So, yeah. What are some of, I guess, the things that you're excited for coming up? What's your five-year plan? Oh, man. Hold on a sec. I got to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I know the nerve-wracking experience of being like, what's your future look like? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Man, my my life has changed, honestly, so much in the last, I want to say like seven months that I can't even begin to tell you what's going to happen in five years because of how wild this last seven months has been. Like since February, so February got engaged and then Congrats. I planned my engagement party, did that. Thank you. Um, did my engagement party. I did a masterclass. Um, I did that. And then I renovated my house and then I moved out and I'm in the middle of wedding planning and I've kept up with work and there's wow. so many changes happening. Um, so I'm getting married next year. And yeah, after that, I think it's just kind of like a wild card. There's so many things that I want to do. There's a lot of things I've like held myself back from because I didn't really have the money to pursue it or the time to pursue it because there was all these other aspects of my life happening that I kind of needed to fall into place before I could focus and give my 100% to parts of my business. So I'm hoping in the next five years, there's a bunch of different things that I want to try. I do want to get into acting. I want to start getting more into doing podcasts. I think I have a lot to say about 
my life experience and hopefully like I said getting that message out there of people feeling like they're not so alone and helping them get through things that I felt like I had to get through alone so I'm hoping to to start a podcast for that kind of stuff. I wanna hopefully launch my own products. I'm not sure if they're gonna be like makeup related or jewelry related, or I don't really know, but uh, I definitely wanna figure that out. I wanna travel the world. Um, I'm so excited to be able to travel because after my wedding expenses are done, I'm like, now I get to spend money finally. (laughs) Don't need to save save for all of this. Um, And Indian weddings are like massive and we get the fun job of paying for it all. So, yeah, it's, 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 it was a lot of saving. Like we've, we've been saving me and my fiance have been saving for like, I want to say like three, four years now. Oh my um, so yeah, we haven't really been able to have fun. And now after the wedding is going to be over, I'm, I'm really excited to be able to spend my money on just on doing things for my career and trying out new things. I'm a really strong believer in just trying a bunch of things because if you don't try them, then how will you ever know what you kind of like? I really learned that lesson when I first started making makeup videos because when I started, I was like, who the hell is going to watch this? Like, there's (laughs) no way anyone's going to watch this. And like 200,000 people later, I'm like here and this is what I do for a living, right? So uh, yeah, I just want to try a bunch of different things in terms of my career and travel the world and just have some fun. So I guess with your wedding are you gonna put that on like social media like how do you decide how much of like big events like that you're gonna like put in public view um yeah so I definitely will be putting that on social media like I I think it'll be fun for people to kind of see because my fiance is Sri Lankan and I am Gujarati so it's gonna be like a bit of a mixture and I do want to kind of show the process of what it's like going into a Indian, Sri Lankan, I guess just South Asian wedding and like how much prep goes into it because everyone always hears about how big Indian weddings are, but people only see like the aftermath, right? Like they just see the, oh, wow, that wedding was beautiful or that looked beautiful. They don't really see all the nitty gritty stuff that goes into it. So I was like, I want to, I want to show people the world, like my culture and what goes into it and the traditions and like why we do certain things and why there's so many people there and why it's such a grand like occasion. So yeah, uh, that's kind of why I decided to do it. But yeah, it's, it's a lot. It is, it's going to be a lot of content. It is (laughs) definitely. (laughs) I can only imagine, but that's so exciting. Thank Um, you. I'm so excited too. Cool. That was really great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a great time. Yeah, of course. I'm glad you had a good time. I'm also glad that you're getting into podcasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys inspire me. So, oh. that, that <laughs> well, we'll definitely be listening. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Working. Thanks so much for listening. I'm your host, Rachel Hampton. Special thank you to Justin D. Wright for the ad music. Thank you so much to our producer, Jessamyn Molly. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you have any questions or feedback, you can reach us at working at slate.com.